Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our teacher, Steve Butler. We are in a series right now exploring the important prophecy terms found in God's Word. You can follow along with our free study guide that you can download from our website. Simply visit whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Click on the program name, Exploring Bible Prophecy, and there you will find our free study guide. So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are continuing in point number three on our worksheet entitled Important Prophecy Terms. And in point number three, we are contrasting the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. And this is uh, part three of seven sets of terms that we're going to go through in preparation for doing our overview of the 30 prophetic events that I believe are yet to come. And I'm excited about going over each one of those, but it's important that we understand these prophetic terms because as we go through, we'll oftentimes read these if we don't have a sufficient background in the meaning of them and how they fit into God's plan. We can see them as being one of the same, and that can get us one really mixed up just in and of itself uh, if we let the the scriptures uh, talk to us without a great great deal of study. And then, of course, we have the uh, ongoing issue with the churches that are purposely distorting the meaning of these as they try to play down the very significant role of Israel in God's plans and try to put the church in the place of Israel. Uh, Some people call that replacement theology, and it's a very dangerous theology. But you can make the scriptures, and I use the word make advisedly here, you can make, you can force the scriptures to support any doctrine you want to come up with if you take them out of context and you're speaking to an audience that does not have any degree of discernment to question what you're doing. And I pray that as if you have been with us for a while, you are growing in your discernment of God's word and being able to differentiate uh, as the Bible says, the spirits, the good spirits from the bad spirits, the the truth of the scriptures from the falsehood and manipulation of the scripture. So we're in the gospel of the kingdom here. And again, this is one of those um, portions of the Bible that is heavily distorted because they want the church to be in everything. And this is very, very Israel. This is very, very earthly. There is no heavenly a hint in any of this. And the reason I differentiate the earth from heaven is because heaven is promised for the church. Heaven is not promised for Israel, unless, of course, after the church is formed, an Israelite becomes saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Then they become a member of the church, and heaven is the future. But for Israel um, on the earth, this is what was intended from the beginning in the Old Testament. So we have been spending quite a bit of time developing this point, the gospel of the kingdom, and we were, as I mentioned in our last program, we were getting ready to launch into Matthew chapter 10, but don't go there just yet, because what I want to do is set the stage just one more time to emphasize what I believe is what the the flow of this is, and it has nothing to do with the church. It has nothing to do with you and me in the sense of this is what we're hoping for. I am not hoping for the kingdom to come to the earth 
because I know from my study of the scriptures, the kingdom, when it comes to the earth, I will be coming back with Jesus Christ as his wife. As a, as a member of the church, we will be coming back to the earth with him. That I don't want to be here when the development of this starts because that's the tribulation. And I fully believe that uh, the church is not going to participate in any part of the tribulation, nor in the judgments, but we will be back with the Lord as that takes place. So I want to go through one more time just to show you the background, what the Jews were expecting and what Jesus was promising to the Jews when he came 2,000 years ago to the earth. And that is the basis, the foundation of what is called the gospel of the kingdom. I am the king, and I'm here to set up my kingdom on the earth if you will simply obey me. So what I'd like to do very quickly is go back to Deuteronomy, the last of the five books written by Moses. So you've got, uh, if you go to the very quickest ways to go to the very beginning of your Bible and just work back through Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then you get to Deuteronomy. And I want to go to Deuteronomy 28. And by now you've heard me say more than once, this is the chapter called The Blessings and the Curses. The Blessings uh, will come to Israel if they obey him, and that's basically the the kingdom that we're talking about here, the good news. Really, the, the blessings here is the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And then, of course, the vast majority of, of chapter 28 is about the curses if they refuse to obey the Lord. And, of course, we know from all these hundreds and, uh, and thousands of years of history now that the Jews were very good at disobeying, <laughs> disobeying God. I have a hard time not laughing because I think about how God was so gracious to his people and how he showed himself in miracles and so forth all the time, and they just would not follow him. And I say they, there's always a remnant. Please don't misunderstand me. There's always a righteous remnant of Jews throughout the history of the Bible, from the creation of the Israeli people, back with Abraham and Isaac, all the way through. There's always a righteous remnant. So in Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses, and I want you, if you would, listen to the words here and notice that one, there's nothing about a death, burial, and resurrection. We've talked about that many times. It's all about promises of what God is going to do for his people on the earth. And I can't emphasize earth enough. Look at everything in here relates to the earth. So please um, look for those uh, points when we come to them. So starting in uh, verse one of Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall be if you, and he's speaking to Israel, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey your Lord God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket, and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies, who rise up against you, 
to be defeated before you. They will come out against you one way and will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Verse 10, so all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your beast, and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give you. The Lord will open up for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you only will be above, and you will not be underneath, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully, and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. And then that frightful word at the beginning of verse 15, but, and from verse 15 all the way through verse 68, the end of the blessings and the curses is all about the curses. So I pray that you see as we've gone through these, these 14 verses that you've seen the blessings that were promised to Israel if they would com- if they would obey the commandments of God. He didn't get specific, if you notice. He didn't get specific about how to obey him. So by the time 1400 and, uh, oh, 1,430 years later, by the time Jesus is preaching this gospel of the kingdom, the priests of Israel and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes had so distorted the words that what the Israelites were told to look for was somebody who was going to come in, take care of all of the uh, evil Romans and their government and their overlordship over Israel and return Israel to its mighty glory as it was under the times of David, King David and King Solomon, expand their territory out to its largest perimeter ever, and would just be preeminent among the people. That's what they were looking for. What was not being taught to them was you must obey God. So this is Deuteronomy 28. This was 1,400-plus years before Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now let's go back to some place, to a place in Matthew 5 where we've been for a couple of programs and just spend a few moments in Matthew 5. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the... Uh, Sermon on the Mount, and this is where Jesus is basically laying out what life would be like in the kingdom uh, in a little more uh, specificity than he gave in Deuteronomy, than was given in Deuteronomy 28. But what he's doing now is he's now focusing more on the moral and ethical requirements of the kingdom, and this is what the, the common Israelite was not expecting. They were not 
thinking it was part of the requirement to be accepted into the kingdom. So this is where people started. (laughs) You can imagine them starting to murmur among themselves. My goodness, what is this word we're hearing? We haven't heard this from our priests and so forth. So let me just read the first few verses here of Matthew 5 again and and ask you to see if you can see the difference between what we read in in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, about the land and the blessing of the womb and the blessing of the animals and the the rain on the earth and the and the produce of the ground. And look what he's saying here. He's basically turned from the land to the people. When Jesus saw the crowds, verse 1, Matthew 5, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And see, we, we understand that at least at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking just to his disciples. He had left the crowds and gone up on the mountain. But over time... And the only evidence we have of this is at the very end of the sermon where he says the crowd, he mentions the crowds. So they probably came up over time as they found out where Jesus was. Verse 2, he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is the kingdom in heaven that they're praying would come down to the earth. And Jesus was indeed there to bring the kingdom to the earth. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Verse 10, So all the way up here through verse 9, it's talking about to be a peacemaker, to be pure of heart, to be merciful, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then look what he says if you do that. If you as an Israelite believe it and do that, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, oh my goodness, I thought I was going to get all of this... um, new powerful life and be, you know, top of the hill compared to everybody else in the world. And now Jesus comes along and tells me, no, I've got to be righteous. I've got to be humble and merciful and so forth. And by the way, when you do that, your brothers and your sisters, literally your brothers and your sisters and your parents and your friends are going to persecute you. And you're going, what? Blessed are those, verse 10 again, who have been persecuted for the sake of the righteous for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So there's a big difference going on here, and Jesus has been teaching this. Jesus has been teaching this for a while in his ministry, and in the beginning of his ministry, while he's been teaching this basically as a solo preacher, kind of an itinerant preacher going around the countryside, he has been gathering disciples the, the the Peter and the, the John and the James and the Andrew and the Matthew. He's been collecting these disciples, many of them, as he's going along. People who are willing, verse 10, to be persecuted for righteousness. They're willing to follow the Lord. And then there's going to be a point in time, and that's where we want to go right now. I'd like you to go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10 is when Jesus goes up on a hill again to get away from the people 
and prays all night long, and then he calls all his disciples. Think of think of student when you hear the word disciple. All of his students together, and then out of those many many students, he picks twelve that he wants to promote to messenger, and that's what apostle means. So he picks twelve messengers to help him take this gospel of the kingdom out to uh, Israel, out to the the people. And we're going to read the specifics of it here in a moment, and this is where we're going to spend some time over the next couple of programs to establish what the apostles had to go through as they took this gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is the king, and perhaps the people would listen to them um, as well as, if not more so than Jesus, they might have been intimidated. Again, that's my thought. But, you know, sending out the 12 to help him to quickly get the word out uh, to as many Israelites as they could before, um, and, and Jesus knew how this would all work out because he's God. He has the, the infinite mind, the infinite wisdom, and the infinite uh, prophetic sight. He knew that Israel would turn against him, but he wanted to put as much opportunity out there in front of them as he could. And, of course, you find out later, in addition to the 12 apostles, he also sent 70, 70 more out to take the word as he worked his way towards Jerusalem to be crucified. So you talk about a gracious, long-suffering God that he would do this, that he would come himself, and if you turned, turned away from him, he would send 12 out. You turn away from the 12, he'll send 70 out. And then right up to the very end of the week that he was crucified, he was pleading, pleading with the people to accept him as their Lord, even as he had already started to to preach the gospel of grace. So we want to go to Matthew chapter 10 here, and let's read, uh, as you see in your worksheet there, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. To set the stage here, it says verse uh, chapter 10, verse 1 of Matthew. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So as you, if you're familiar with the earlier chapters in Matthew, you know that Jesus has already been doing this. So as I had pointed out earlier, this is an extension of, of what Jesus had been doing, and he gave his 12 apostles, he's calling them disciples here, but we know since he said 12 that they um, are the apostles, and he actually calls them that in verse 2. We're not going to go there because that's just naming them. He is giving them the same authority on earth. Obviously, they can't forgive sin, but he's giving them the same authority on earth that he had so that they... The, the, the purpose of being able to heal the sick and to um, cast out demons was not in and of itself important. What it was intended for was to draw the attention of people because this is something that an average person couldn't do. So the people's attention was drawn to these 12 apostles as it had been drawn to Jesus, but the message was going to be the same. So We want to we spend some time in our next uh, program or two in the teaching portion, to to go through 10 a little bit here and and look at specific verses to see how this gospel of the kingdom was to be taken out to the Israelites, knowing that there is no talk about death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, as we always do, we transition about this time over into our Q&A portion. 
and we have been dealing with a a question who is not going to be included in the rapture of the church. And for those, which is unfortunately a good part of the general population, they think that there's, if they believe there's a rapture, there's going to be one set of quote unquote good people that God is going to take. And then the rest of the people are going to have to suffer. Well, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time studying the scriptures. And of course, any of us can do that. Uh, without being trained by a seminary or or any other way, simply asking the Holy Spirit to lead us into a study of God's Word, and he is more than ready and willing to do that with anyone. And we find that there are a number of groups of people throughout the history and as well as the future yet to happen part of the Bible that are counted as righteous by God but are not included in the rapture of the church. And we've been going through those. We spent time talking about the church, just to establish that point about who is the church, and that's from Pentecost until the rapture, and then that group of people is taken to heaven, and that's a separate group. Then we talked about the Old Testament saints, and those are people who uh, were counted as righteous in the Old Testament, and we spent time in Hebrews describing who those people were and why they had to wait for Jesus to come and to die on the cross and to be gloriously resurrected before they um, receive the promises that were promised to them. And we read about that activity in Daniel 12, verses 1 and 2. Then the next group of people, and these are yet future, that's the tribulation saints, and these are people who come to faith during the tribulation, and it's going to be a very, very difficult time. Um, those of you that have been with us for a while in these programs know that um, in um, our teaching portion, we were talking about the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, and we've uh, spent a lot of time going through scriptures to describe just how bad the day of the Lord is, and that's the tribulation period. The day of the Lord is in the tribulation period, but there will be those that are saved out of the tribulation. They'll most likely die for their faith, but nevertheless, and they're called the tribulation saints, and we learned all about them uh, being counted as righteous and being resurrected at the end of the tribulation. They're not part of the church, but they're resurrected to glorified bodies at the end of the tribulation. And we saw that in Revelation chapter 20, and specifically in verse 4. Then we shifted to another uh, two sets of people who are also judged at the end of the tribulation. And those are the people that are on the earth in their physical Adamic bodies. Adamic meaning that you and me, you, you cut us, we bleed. Um, and that is the, the whole world population, which, of course, the Bible separates into two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. And in our last program, we talked about how God, or Jesus specifically, is going to judge all of Israel that is living at the end of the tribulation because uh, he is going to select the people who will populate the earth uh, during the thousand-year millennial kingdom in which Jesus is sitting on his throne in Jerusalem. And the church is back on the earth, ruling and reigning uh, with and for him. And these are people who will come in, uh, as you and I are today, and will procreate and, and bring the generations over that thousand years. And, of course, those are the people that are going to live for hundreds of years, we learn in Isaiah 65 and uh a child will be a person will be considered a child at 100 years of age 
And if you are judged to be a rebel against the Lord, you will die before a hundred, and the Bible says they'll be accursed. But people will live as long as trees. It's going to be a wonderful time. But in order to get into that kingdom, you must be counted as righteous by the judge, Jesus Christ. So he judges the Jews, and we went through that in Ezekiel, the book of Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, verses 33 to 38. And he's very specific about how he judges them and how the unrighteous, the rebels, will be cast into Hades and the ones that are counted as righteous will walk into the kingdom. So Israel, into the land of Israel. So at that point, at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, every Israelite living in the land of Israel will be counted as righteous. They will be saved. So when somebody points to Romans 11, chapter 20, or chapter 11, verse 26, where it says, and all Israel will be saved, and they call that the church, you go, can I ask you to go with me to Ezekiel 20, and let me explain to you that that's incorrect, that it's actually Israel at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. All Israel will be saved at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And we spent some time as well in Zechariah 13, 8, and 9, and that was our last program where we were showing a further description of that judgment of Israel where it says that two-thirds, two-thirds of all the Jews living in the world at the end of the tribulation will be judged unrighteous. Only one-third will walk into the millennial kingdom there in Israel that For those who are counted as righteous, it will be an amazing time because they will then be the preeminent people group in all the world. Then the last group that's judged are the Gentiles. So it's everybody else on the earth. And this happens as well at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back and he sits on his glorious throne in Jerusalem and he judges all the Gentiles. And that is called the sheep and goat judgment of Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. And what I'd like to do before we go to Matthew 25, because the big question in Matthew 25 is who is being spoken to? Who is who are these people? And I'd like you to go to Joel. In the Old Testament, you can find Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then you'll get into the minor, the 12 minor prophets, and you'll find Hosea, and right to the right of Hosea is Joel. And if you go to Joel chapter 3, Joel chapter 3, and let's read the first couple of verses, and it will explain who is talked about in Matthew 25. Joel chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations, and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. So, given this 7th century B.C. prophecy by Joel telling us that in the second coming, when the Lord comes back to judge, he will bring all the nations into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And many people believe that that is the Kidron Valley next to the Temple Mount that goes for a couple of hundred miles, if you count it all together. But anyway, we'll bring all the nations and we'll judge them. And that's described in Matthew 25. So in our next 
Q&A portion. We're going to get into that with that as a background. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.